0: Football today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. Here
1: we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie,
2: and he. Big show today. It is Tuesday, July 16th. Thanks for listening, everyone, and welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Guess what? Training camp begins on Thursday. The Broncos are getting started this week in football is here today we answer your questions we update some rankings we go through the big news i'm adam azer hey heath cummings what's up hi adam hey hey dave richard adam
1: what's going on hey a special shout out to all the subscribers who are coming back to us now Mm -hmm. because training camp is opening up and didn't stick around for the entire offseason. Why are we giving them a shout-out? Yeah, what's up with them? I just want to let them know that they are way far behind, and they've got to start doing a lot of work to get ready for their fantasy drafts. And if you had just stuck around in the first place, you'd be feeling good about what to expect in
2: 2019. Learn your lesson, I hope. Your email is at cbsi.com. This is a mailbag show. First 20 minutes or so will probably be some rankings, some Damian Williams talk. And news and notes as Ezekiel Elliott is threatening a holdout now, so we'll talk about that. We got an update on Delaney Walker, on Philip Lindsay, on Ronald Jones, the big buff Ronald Jones. Do you guys want to start with an email or a stat?
1: Stat. Email.
2: I'm going to do a stat. Stat of the day. In each of the last two seasons, there have been only two running backs that have finished as top 12 running backs with fewer than 50 catches. Uh, none have finished higher than RB9. This is in PPR. Uh, None have finished higher than RB9. And now if you went to 60 catches, you'd get more names in there. But 50 catches. Um, No top eight running backs either the last two years with less than 50 catches. But in 2016, you had almost the entire top 12, basically, was running backs with less than 50 catches, including Ezekiel Elliott, who only had 32 catches, and he was number two. He was the number two running back in fantasy. And really, it's just the trend, guys, of 50-catch running backs. I mean, It's a bit of an arbitrary number, but over the last five years, five 50-catch running backs in 2014. Five, then eight, then 11, then 14, then 16 last year. So really, this came up, because I know we have an email about Nick Chubb, and just what is your upside in PPR if you don't catch 40? Forget 50, you don't catch 40 passes. But if you don't catch 50, it's... It's going to be hard to be a top-five running back. What do you think about that? Top-five running back or top-12 running back? Uh, You could be top-12. You could certainly be top-12. But the stat is, in PPR, and I I think maybe even in non-PPR, I'll confirm, no top-eight running backs with less than 50 fewer catches two straight years.
3: I just went and looked, and all of my top-eight running backs are projected for at least 50 catches.
2: I'm not Makes sense,
3: too, for a couple of reasons. Number one,
1: just for fun, I went and took the— Average amount of carries for the top 12 running backs in non PPR last year. And the carries were 215.5. I remember when we used to pontificate on this podcast about how you need to have at least 250 carries to be a top five or a top 10 fantasy running back. And it's changed now because running backs are being used more in the passing game and less in the running game. And I think it's helping them play more effectively get more yards per play, and maybe even stay healthy in in a number of yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the direction of the NFL. Um, we've been saying for a decade plus it's been a passing league. It's been affecting running backs. It, it's also part of the reason why we thought that receivers were going to stop being so amazing as recently as last year. Now, it came to pass that there were a lot of amazing receivers last season. But running backs have taken a lot of targets away from the overall passing game, and I think it's helping, and you're seeing it show up in the top 12.
3: Running backs certainly have more uh, receptions. I don't know how much they've taken away or if it's just that pass volume has gone up that much. Like Teams are just throwing more than they ever have.
2: So Kareem Hunt was RB8 last year with 26 catches. He was... that's non-PPR. Sorry. In PPR, that stat holds true, but I'm looking at in non-PPR. Um, last year, Kareem Hunt was RB8. Joe Mixon was RB9. And Philip Lindsey, I believe, was 12. And then I'll look at 2017. But, but you'll see... Because it, look, it's not just the catches. It's the yards and potentially the touchdowns that come with it as well. In 2017, Leonard Fournette had 36 catches, and he was RB8 <clears throat> in non-PPR. So... I would say there have been zero top eight running backs over the last two years in PPR with fewer than 50 catches, and in non-PPR, no top seven running backs in each of the last two years. All right, keep it in mind. It's an upside thing <clears throat> for sure. I did want to talk about Damian Williams, but Jamie is Jamie wrote a story about Damian Williams, and now he was reversing course a little bit due to Williams' upside, so I wanted to get Jamie's take on that. He is currently on set for CBS HQ, CBS Sports HQ, um, so let's go to Dave's rankings adjustments. Dave, you told me you had a couple of guys that you were moving up. Uh, actually you told me three rankings changes. One of them had to do with Damian Williams. So we'll, we'll wait on that. But Kyler Murray is in your top 10. He's 17th for Heath and Mark Andrews is a top 12 tight end for you. He's 23rd for Heath. So it looks like we'd have some nice little rankings disputes here. Okay. What made you wake up and say, Oh, Kyler Murray has got to be a top 10 quarterback now
1: this started about 24 hours ago when we did a mock draft and quarterbacks just went super late and I'll set the scene for you. It's about 9 PM in the Richard house. I'm sitting at my kitchen table doing a draft shorts and a t-shirt shorts and a t-shirt. Okay. Barefoot kids upstairs, wife's upstairs. I got the whole kitchen to myself, man. You should have seen the spread I I made, (laughs) but Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, all on the board, and it's round, what round was it, Heath, like 10, 11? It was late.
2: you talk talking about last night? Yeah. Yeah, it was insane how late the quarterbacks went. Absolutely And I insane. already
1: had taken a quarterback. I had Andrew Luck in round six. And I'm looking, and when you see quarterbacks fall that far in a draft, you've got to recognize that there's obviously positions that go up ahead of them, and it's not by much, but the, the running backs and receivers and tight ends that were left at this point, Man, they're all ugly. There's nothing to look at and say, I got to have him. And I've been saying all along that Kyler Murray has ridiculous upside, huge upside. He's coming into the NFL after being the second quarterback in college football history with over 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. It's the exact same scheme. It's with a coach he's known since he was in high school. Kyler Murray is in a great position to outperform any ADP he ends up with. And I couldn't help myself. But to take a second quarterback, and it wasn't Breeze, who's been amazing and is going to the Hall of Fame, and it wasn't Wilson, who's been efficient and is probably going to the Hall of Fame. It was Kyler Murray. Yeah, And I'm, I, 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 I think I can justify it as it's a low-risk, high-reward pick that if he does what his potential is early on, I know I'm going to be able to get something for him in trade because of the rushing prowess and the passing prowess. I just think that it's, it was an easy pick to make in round 12. It was bonkers, yeah. which led to a follow-up thought. Well, it's easy to say that he's got more upside than Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. But what if this was a regular draft and it's round nine, and these are the three quarterbacks staring me in the face? How could I justify not taking Murray then under the exact same argument of upside? knowing that there are so many other quarterbacks that you can either wait for in the later rounds or pick up off waivers after week two when Kyler Murray is a total bust and in, a round nine pick is not a valuable pick in so, fantasy trials.
2: so why do you and like I agree with everything you're saying basically right uh, so but just but, just, just, just to right. wrap it up adam right.
1: I made the move I put him in the top 10 he's ninth for me
2: but why do you think you'll be able to trade? Uh, Kyler Murray, if he gets off to a great start, when you just said there's so much on the waiver wire. Okay. You know what I mean? Because, because yes. trade, uh, quarterback trade value is very very interesting.
3: Non-existent.
1: It unless, is somewhat
2: non-existent.
1: Unless it's an amazing quarterback.
2: And so, you just think he has more upside. We're than
1: talking about him scraping the ceiling. We're not, we're not talking about him, oh, he's averaging 23 fantasy points per game. No. No, he's got to do... Better than that, He's got to do 65 fantasy points per game. No, he's got to do close to 30 fantasy points per game. Something insane, yeah. something Mahomes-ish, which when you think about Mahomes' cumulative numbers from last year, there's no chance he's going to get 50 touchdowns. But he can run a lot, and he's going to run a lot. That's what this offense is predicated on. And he's accurate, and he's mobile, and he's got a lot of weapons around him, and he's on a team with a defense that isn't great. I, I think Kyler Murray, I've said it before. I've said I'm gonna say it again. There is nobody in fantasy drafts after round six that has as much upside as he does. It
3: is the uh, like, and I don't know this is wrong. I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the things that Dave said. Thank you about the upside. Um, my rankings are most like you referenced him being ranked 17th in mine. Mine are mostly based around projections. I can't imagine projecting Kyler Murray with any confidence to be a top 10 quarterback this season. I Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. And I understand the argument that in round 12, you're just going to take the upside. I don't agree that he has more upside than anybody taken after round 6. Um, I, I think this is one of the most volatile situations we've been faced with because it's not the same as Mahomes. He's got Cliff Kingsbury, who... Definitely brings something exciting, but was also mostly a bad college coach. Um, he's got no Travis Kelsey, he's got no Tyreek Hill or anything like him. Um, so I don't I don't think the same sort of upside exists. Do I think he could be a top 10 quarterback this season? Absolutely. That, that's I've only got him ranked like 10 or 12 points behind my top 10 quarterback. I also think that there is a floor, uh, like you look at the Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, he has by far the widest range. He's ranked as high as number five in some people's rankings this season at quarterback. He's ranked as low as number 27. I don't think either of those are too high or too low. I don't see, and the five might be a little high. 27 might be a little low. Oh, I think he
1: could be one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this year. If I could continue the conversation a little bit, Adam. Heath, where do you have Lamar Jackson ranked? Twelve or thirteen? Okay, thirteen, I think. And what's
3: your projection for him, if you don't mind me asking you to call a thirty-four hundred pass, thirty-three eighty-six passing yards. All right, so 3,400. 750 rushing yards. Okay, twenty pass touchdowns, six rush touchdowns. Mark it
1: down,
2: Kyler Murray's beating that. <laughs> okay, well, no He's matter what it. you, no matter what you had said, Dave was going to say Kyler Murray. You could have oh, totally know, lied. I know it was. I, <laughs> I, well, I don't know what he you might have said say. The thing, forty-five hundred yards.
3: This is yards. the part where I get. I might get argumentative is there's a 0% confidence level in what Kyler Murray is going to be or what Cliff Kingsbury is going to be in the NFL. I guess I'm a little more confident in in what's going on in Arizona. I don't think it's a big question
1: based on what based on Cliff Kingsbury. Listen, as a coach, he isn't going to be great. I don't think Arizona is going to go to the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be chasing points in a lot of games. I think they're going to throw a good amount.
3: And, like, the air raid off, like, were they, did he have a lot of really successful running quarterbacks? In the air raid offense? Yeah, I don't remember any. Well, Patrick Mahomes had, like, 25 touchdowns or but, something. But, like, 200 like rushing yards.
1: Sure. But Murray is a different type of quarterback than that. Yes. Oh, for sure. Murray is a runner. Like, he will yeah, take off. Yeah, he's so talented, bed. obviously.
2: All right, I, so... He is going to be an interesting guy, and I really think I mean David Johnson is so interesting too. David Johnson yes. says he's excited about playing out of the shotgun. He did a lot of that. In fact, his quote, um, oh man, I had it. I'm sorry, but his quote was, uh, I'll pull it up about just how excited he is doing the same things that he did in college, working out of the shotgun, and and uh, it could be a very good system for him. But I have that quote. Yeah, uh, oh, you have it on you. That's all
1: we did in college is go. the gun a read option type thing. I think it really opens up more space for me and makes me able to read the defense a little bit more. So he's familiar with that type of scheme. I don't know if, I don't know if he was in the air raid at Northern Iowa. I don't know if that's the system that they ran, but obviously playing out a shotgun and doing zone read, he did plenty of. Now he's going to play off of a, a a true rushing threat quarterback in Kyler Murray. And I know that offensive line is, is, Literally five bags of salt, but I think it,
2: I it's think it could deal. lead to
1: some huge numbers for both of these guys.
2: Well, they're, they're going to be uh, that offense is going to really determine a lot in fantasy. It really is. So, looking forward to seeing what happens in the preseason, and that might, and then it'll be nothing in the regular season. All right. So, uh, your other rankings adjustment: Mark Andrews in your top twelve. There's a little bit of buzz on Baltimore's second-year tight end, who was a third-round pick. In the same draft as Hayden Hurst, who was a first-round pick. But it's all on uh, Mark Andrews right now, who had not a bad rookie season. I mean, 552 yards and three touchdowns. Better than O.J. Howard's rookie season, in terms of yards anyway. Better than David Njoku's rookie season. Uh, So, Dave, you have him right around 12th, right? Uh, Or 13th?
1: He's Uh, 12th for me, with the idea being that you can draft him with a late-round pick. In fact, I'd like to debut a new late round tight end strategy title.
2: It's okay. Would you like to hear? Is it is it called the crappy tight end strategy? <laughs> it's
1: called late round tight ends af. <laughs> a for Andrews and F for Fant.
2: Oh, nice. I like that. I so like that, that that's how
1: you remember. That's, that's outstanding. That's what AF stands for, right? Andrews and Fan. Yeah, Andrews that's what I'm and going fan, for.
0: Always.
1: Uh, in, in the case of Andrews, I think he's the better tight end in Baltimore. We don't know what the health is of any of these wide receiver rookies that the Ravens have. Uh, Chris Moore is being touted as being a new receiving threat in Baltimore. I'm not buying it. Uh, you go back and you look at who Lamar Jackson had the most success with throwing the football to, and it was Mark Andrews. He had 13 catches, 308 yards, one touchdown. You don't think that that's much? You're right. It's not. But he had a 65% <laughs> catch rate, a good receiving average, better than a lot of the other players in, their, in Baltimore's He had a 74-yard
2: catch or something, right? He had. Yeah, he still had it. He, he, he had a bunch of other it was deep ball sweet. targets. So you
3: have him, like, ahead of Njoku and Hooper, Hooper and Trey Burke Because those guys don't excite me.
1: They Mark just Andrews don't excite Mark Andrews should me. not
2: excite you, I don't think.
3: No,
1: but he's someone who's got... Chemistry with his quarterback, he's at Miami in Week One, Arizona in Week Two. I think he can get off to a good yeah, start. Yeah,
2: Jamie's got him right, right around twelve as well. Dave uh, Heath, not so much. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> 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 no, look, I get it. He, no, he
3: I, I think you should don't don't explain. He had almost like, a thousand. What
2: you said was perfect. He had almost a thousand <laughs> receiving yards his junior year at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield. He was second on the team in receiving behind Marquise Brown, who is now his teammate with Baltimore. Uh, I I saw his 40 time was pretty good. And the funny thing is I, I just looked at some Mark Andrews highlights, you know, just to take another look cause I knew we were going to talk about him. He looks like a slug to me. Like he just doesn't look, you want to talk about exciting. He doesn't look exciting at all, but some people are in on Mark Andrews. I think if he's your starting tight end, then you, you know, you're streaming tight ends. That's fine. I just, you're streaming. You're, Streaming tight ends AF basically, okay. So I I'm not dis disagree- I just want to be clear I'm not disagreeing with your rankings I'm just saying this is what we're dealing with when we get to twelve at tight end ranking.
3: I yeah I you have him ahead
2: of Jordan Reed too. Oh yeah yeah and <laughs> Vance McDonald no Vance okay. is ahead of him. Okay. Let's uh let's do some news and notes. A couple things I want to talk to you about the first cut podcast. This is a big week in golf so. Uh, preview podcasts, although that's you know you're, you might be missing your chance to hear that one. but recap podcasts, I think they're gonna be two of them like after the first two rounds and then on Sunday another recap podcast for uh, this week's big golf tournament. you can tell I don't know anything about golf, but I do know the first cup podcast is really good and it's three times a week for you golf fans So check it out. CBS sports HQ. I want you to know about HQ. You can watch it in your living room. It's not just an online thing. It's like you grew up watching sports center. You're tired of sports center. Nobody watches sports center anymore. Start watching HQ because this is what you want. This is highlights, smart analysis, all sports, all topics, fantasy. The show fantasy football today is on there. Um, not our podcast, but the video version of, of FFT. Oh, our podcast is going to be on video, though. It's going to be on YouTube, so that'll be cool. I'll tell you more about that at a later date. But please check out HQ. Download it on your connected device. Download the CBS Sports app on your connected device and start streaming HQ. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, as we go to the news and notes, says he's going to hold out a camp if he doesn't get a new contract. That's according to Pro Football Talk. Yahoo reports that Zeke must report to camp by August 6th to receive... And a crude season toward free agency. That's pretty important. Well, who are you more worried about right now, Zeke or Melvin Gordon?
3: Melvin Gordon by a billion miles
2: that's <laughs> a lot of miles
3: and i would worry for a billion <laughs> miles and i would
1: worry for a billion more just da, da, to see da. ezekiel Elliott in fantasy draft while melvin gordon showing the door i
2: can't do it anymore oh it's such a terrible song uh,
1: what we just made it great he... we just made that song It's such a feel-good
3: song man it's like everybody awful. loves it's a I terrible a song. i feel awful like... <laughs> They, now well, have right now
2: you made me feel bad all right you're drafting today Ezekiel Elliott goes with what pick
3: one or two or four in PPR
2: Philip Lindsay says he will be 100 percent for camp on Thursday and we have an email about Philip Lindsay we'll talk uh we'll talk about that Ronald Jones has bulked up what do you make of the Tampa Bay backfield
3: well the one skill that he did have was speed um, so I'm sure this will help that... <laughs>
1: Uh, I I will say this, and I, I've noticed this before, that Bruce Arians tends to favor running backs that come in at about 220. David Johnson, Rashard Mendenhall back in the day. Bettis was obviously more than 220. That guy was several cheeseburgers over and
2: 220. And here he is right now coming oh. in at 220. Jamie Eisenberg plus Jamie, you're 40 weighing pounds. These days? Yeah, I
0: just said you weigh 220 <laughs> pounds. I wish I waited too. It was
2: a segue. It was a segue.
0: Hey, got, I've got a little fat. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, hey, JB. Hey, it's fatball hey, season. That's good to have it, you.
0: It is. Um, yes. Fatball season. Uh,
2: who who went fat. who's uh in the draft that we did last night, who was the first Tampa Bay running back off the board?
3: I'm sure it was Ronald Jones. Jones.
2: He went in round seven. Peyton Barber went in round eight. And did Anderson go? Yes, he did. To Chris Towers, who's bogus heath. In round eleven,
3: yeah, Chris likes to use my rankings during those drafts and take. Chris definitely guys.
0: used your rankings yes. in that draft. Yes, <laughs>
3: he doesn't. He doesn't does a lot of them just to uh, make me mad.
2: All right, uh, Darius Geist downplayed a hamstring injury. We'll, we'll do the same. Emmanuel Sanders, we alluded to this yesterday. He's running pretty well, coming off a torn Achilles. Looks good. Let's not forget about Emmanuel Sanders, right?
1: Yeah, that's not great news for Cortland Sutton. Is it Cortland Sutton who's affected
0: or Deshaun Hamilton who's affected? I, I think it's – I don't think they're affected. I, I mean, I, I think you know he's going to play a factor. I, I shouldn't say that. He's obviously going to affect them if he plays. But we you never know with these guys. You know, we thought Deontay Foreman was going to be ready to go from week one last year. And he was slow and didn't get on the field. And, you know, Sanders is, a, is an older player by comparison, different position clearly. Um, you know, making a few cuts and running a straight line is different when you have the pads on. So let's just wait and see what happens when, uh, you know, is he not going to be on the list?
2: I took him in the 14th round in our draft last night, uh, 13th round, end of the 13th round. So I don't think anyone's going to complain about that for Emmanuel Sanders. And uh, You should. Why? I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing I feel pretty confident about is there will not be two fantasy relevant wide receivers on the Broncos at the same time anyway. So, why? Because uh, Joe Flacco doesn't do that.
3: They've got... Uh, well, you've never seen that. Joe
2: Flacco with the Broncos. Tall Eli quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? Uh, Cincinnati <laughs> offensive And there's a guard. report that Drew Locke may hold out. I saw that. Clint Bowling is retiring. Uh, he's a Bengals offensive lineman. They already lost Jonah Williams, their rookie offensive tackle, to a torn labrum. So I don't think Bowling is clearly not a great player at this point, but not an offensive line they can afford to lose bodies. Is this a big deal for you guys if you evaluate Joe Mixon?
0: Not as much as losing the rookie.
2: How about Chris Herndon, suspended for the first four games? We knew that. Jets tight end. Any fantasy fallout there?
0: Four was more than I, was, I thought, too. Yeah. He has fallen out of draft boards. Mm-hmm. He's he's good. If anybody's still doing fishbowl draft, he's still a good player to take. Uh, I think he's still best ball. He's still worth taking. Sure. When you've got those deep rocks. I'm rosters. still doing
3: the fishbowl draft. I think I'm in, like, round 16. We're going to draft until... <laughs>
0: Preseason week one Dynasty startups, he's still worth drafting. But 15-round redraft league, no. Yeah, you can't use him until week five? He's going to be one of the more popular waiver wire additions that week, though. Probably probably week three or four. Well, you, we you would think yeah. that,
2: that Robbie Anderson's been a guy who has been somewhat affected by the availability of other players around him, specifically Quincy Anunua. So my initial reaction was like, oh, maybe Robbie Anderson will get off to a good start. Based on last year and, and based on personnel this year, I think their first four games are pretty bad for Robbie Anderson. Potentially the bills, everybody just ran all over the bills last year. So they were good against the passing game. The Browns have a lot of talent defensively. And in the secondary, the Patriots shut down Robbie Anderson last year when he was at his height. Then they have a buy-in week four. Then they have the Eagles. Uh, ah, so, that's, so that
1: means round round week six. That's the soonest earned can play.
2: Yeah. Against the Cowboys. So I don't want to get too into it now, but just something to keep in mind. It's, not a great—it's good news, I think, for Anderson, but it's not a great st- schedule, so it would seem. Uh, let's see. The Niners signed Robbie Gold. The Falcons signed defensive tackle Grady Jarrett to a big four-year deal, $68 million. Houston did not sign Jadevian Clowney. Alex Smith is no longer in a leg brace, but we're not expecting him to be a factor this year. Oakland guard Richie Incognito is suspended two games. Delaney Walker is expected to be ready for Week 1. They're hopeful. I say they're hopeful. He'll be ready for Week One. Not necessarily the same for Jonu Smith, who tore his MCL. So hey, Delaney Walker or Mark Andrews?
0: Andrews. I'll take Delaney still for now. It depends what you're looking for. I think.
2: That was a Jamie. Because if
0: it, if Walker is ready for camp, he's safer. True. But Andrews, I think, may have the higher ceiling. I I, I think for Andrews, it comes down to Hayden Hurst. You know, how much of a factor is Hayden Hurst gonna be? For uh we're
2: gonna take a quick break here, and today's sponsor is Noble. Awesome. We all have our Noble shoes and
3: shorts. I, I wear my shorts every time I run.
2: They're great. The shoes are great. So you're about to hear about them. The promo uh, it's not a promo code, but the URL Noble as in you know, no B U L L project.com slash FFT. Noble project.com slash FFT. After this quick break, we will read your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. All right, here's an email from Jonathan to kick us off. Thank you all, by the way, for all your emails. I'll do my best to respond to some uh, just, you know, personally, and I'll try to read as many as I can on the show as well. Jonathan wants to know why everyone is buying into David Johnson this year after he was so bad last season.
1: So bad, meaning almost 1,400 total yards and 10 touchdowns.
2: <laughs> and a top 12 running back. But he, he was he, he wasn't he was consistent. pretty bad. He was like 3.6 yeah. yards per carry, so he didn't play particularly well. He
1: had six games in PPR with 16 or more points.
3: I think you should just rewind to the section of Dave talking about Kyler Murray, and that's why everyone is so excited about David Johnson. It's a new offense. He's
1: going to be used in a better way. Yeah. He's more comfortable in it. He doesn't have some doofus calling play calls i do think there's
3: like a 40 percent chance that two to three years from now we would put Cleve kingsbury in the doofus calling plays but not category. yet
2: right not yet let's give him his first year to <laughs> surprise everybody <laughs> we'll, we'll see i mean look you know what chip kelly right was not a good coach but he was really good for running backs wasn't he Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I think that's what Dave's saying. Like, forget about how good he's going to be as a coach. We're just worried about him offensively. It it's, seems like an upgrade. And what I love, and I've given this stat a lot, David Johnson got 100% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line. That won't happen this year because Kyler Murray will have some and maybe Edmonds will have some or whatever, but he is the undisputed goal back. Next email from Taylor. Do you think me trading Julio Jones for Nick Chubb and maybe something else would be a good trade. I would my plan was to trade Julio for Chubb and then trade Damian Williams for Philip Lindsay and Nikhil Harry. So that would be trading Julio and Damian Williams for Chubb, Lindsay, and Nikhil Harry. But yeah, these what do you are, what do you think about this?
1: These are no brainers in dynasty or keeper leagues. No brainers at all. And in non PPR, I like the Chubb over Julio move. I think I can handle that. If you if you really want to have strength at at uh, running back, that's what you do. But I wouldn't do the other trade in, uh, in seasonal. I'd rather have Damian Williams than Lindsey and Harry. Okay. And in PPR, I'll take Julio. That's easy.
2: I don't know if we have this next question's answer available, but something tells See. me we do. See. <laughs> this is uh, from Dan. Where's Dan from? Plattsburgh, uh, New York. Could you give the top 10 quarterbacks an order in a four-point-per-passing touchdown league?
3: Yeah.
0: Projected order?
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then I'll tell you who's going to finish top 10.
3: That that sounds like a perfect combination. So Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky.
2: Okay, so it's actually going to go Garoppolo. <laughs> golf. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, does it? I know he has been saying this like for months. Watson over Mahomes in a four-point per passing touchdown league. Dave, Jamie, do you guys agree? Yes.
1: Really? I'll I'll say I'll say no. Okay.
2: This is from Chris in a town in South Jersey. Yeah, so? Atlantic City. (laughs) Hey, Carson, Nick, Donovan, and Kevin.
3: I know Nick and Donovan are Super Bowl quarterbacks, but I'm not sure who the other two are.
2: (laughs) Uh, These are obviously Eagles quarterbacks here. I had a generic keeper question when it comes to late-round quarterbacks. Uh, Last year, I drafted Jameis Winston in the 15th round of a 14-team half PPR league. And I'm leaning towards keeping him, but I just wanted to know everyone's logic when it comes to keeping late-round quarterbacks. A part of me thinks I'm handcuffing myself to Jameis in the 15th round. For example, if I decided to keep him and then come draft day, Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck slips to the 5th or the 6th round, that would be great value, but I would be hesitant to take one because I already have Jameis. I'm most likely going to keep him because he should be great this year, and it's a 14-team league where a lot of my buddies like to draft two quarterbacks each, but I was just looking for a more generic mindset answer on keeping quarterbacks with a late-round pick.
1: What's wrong with keeping him for that cheap value just so you have the right to keep him again the following year at a cheap value? Even if it goes up two rounds next year, if Jameis does what some of us haven't projected to do, that's going to be incredible value. So you're kind of you know putting
2: squatters' rights on Jameis.
3: Just depends on what you're giving up by
1: doing it.
2: I guess it's a good point though, because you're you're keeping the deepest position and then you are somewhat like if you kept a running back late, you wouldn't necessarily be like, Well, I'm not gonna draft this other running back that's gonna be maybe my third running back, even though he's great value, because obviously we all want to stockpile running backs. But you to keep a quarterback late, you might say, All right, I only want one quarterback, or maybe I'll take another, but it's gonna be real late. So I am going to pass up on this amazing value for Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck. I could see that. It's a it's an interesting point.
0: But it's not you're you're the investment's still minimal here though.
2: Yeah. So so let's say you took Jamie you can I mean, I'll give, I'll give you a different
0: example. It's somewhat similar in terms of the, the the topic. Like I have in a league where you can keep four keepers, you start you could start as many as four receivers. But I have DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Godwin for what essentially is a 13th and 14th round pick. My other two keepers are Andrew Luck, and it, it's a def, it's a league that just is crazy defensive scoring. I have the Bears with the last-round pick, so I'm going to keep the Bears. I'm going to probably – I think I'm picking fourth, and Kamara of the big four running backs is the only one that's not there. I'm probably taking Devontae Adams at four. So I'm going in knowing that I need running back help, but I'm starting my draft with the best available player. And so in this case – Jameis is a good potential starter. He's not a slam dunk starter. So if you feel you're getting great value out of Luck or Rogers or whoever the case may be, still take that player. Okay. If it's the right value. Okay. Moving on to our next email
2: from Adam. And where's he from?
1: We'll put him in Coral Gables, Florida.
2: Oh, great. Dear Steve, Gino, Danny, and Tim. Crappy college quarterbacks from the University of Florida. What one starting roster spot do you feel? Gino,
0: Steve, Steve Spurrier. Spurrier it could be Steve. I Wall. don't know
2: who Gino. I guess Gino is probably Toretta. But Danny and Tim. How?
1: Who's Danny? Warfel, Warfel or Canel? Canel oh. didn't go to Florida.
2: No, Warfel. I was thinking. So wait. Who's All right. That? Yeah. So who's Gino? Okay.
0: Well. Anyway. The only Gino I would know would be Toretta.
1: Hold on a second. Spurrier won the Heisman.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Gino yeah. won the Heisman. Oh, these Gino are Heisman Toretto winners. Won the Heisman.
1: Tim Tebow won the Heisman. Ah, I
0: believe. Oh, yeah. God. This is the guy I told you. I love this guy. Yes, Jamie. I'm reading his stupid hey, email. He's a Gator fan.
2: Yeah. Okay. Which one starting roster spot do you feel confident you can find after the season starts? Not someone you just play one week, but someone you can play six plus games. And how does this impact your draft? Good question. Yeah.
1: I'll say a quarterback. That's the easiest one. Receiver will be next easiest.
2: You know, it's funny. I I really think that every year you end up with waiver wire running backs that become.
0: That was the first thing I went to. Really was, good. I mean, there's going to be an injury somewhere along the way, but that makes it easy to get them.
2: No, I think it's
0: easier to go and get quarterback or receiver.
2: You're right. It wouldn't say it's
0: easy, but I would say that. But he didn't. He didn't say easy though. He said you can find. He said, "You
1: can feel confident. You can find."
0: Yeah, I mean, you could find running backs that are going to get hurt. You could find any position. There's think, not necessarily a lot of situations where a prominent receiver goes down, and a backup receiver comes in is just as good. But there if, is but, but very if you, many situations of running backs going down, and the backup coming in is is not necessarily as good, but certainly startable in fantasy. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, okay. First of all, we can all agree quarterback is is an answer to this question. Like quarterback, you can stream. Yeah, tight end, sure. you can't. I think I think that's. Probably the one position that's the hardest, right? Tight end? Yes.
3: Well, I don't know. Like, to get a top 12 tight end? I'm not sure that's true. To get get an impact. You can start for six plus
2: games. That was part of his question. You can start it for six plus games. Probably tight end then. The hardest to find, yeah. All right, P.S. I know it's not fantasy or NFL related, but I'm super excited for the UF versus Miami game. Rivalry is a huge part of why sports are awesome. Every week until the UF versus Miami game, I will give you a reason why the University of Florida is a better school than Miami. Number one, according to usnews.com, UF ranks number 35 in national universities, and Miami is number 53. Okay. All right. All right, Adam. The, Finally uh, a good Adam. Yeah. All right, you know what? It's fine. Challenge accepted. <laughs> the uh, I don't know what the challenge is, but it's accepted. If it's Gators, you're Miami, gonna have to come
1: up with a reason why Miami is a better school than Florida each week. So oh match yeah, is is uh,
2: well? Should it be academic? It, it can be any reason. Okay, fine. I'll tell you. I'll, I will let Heath weigh in on this because I think it's a toss-up. I really do. Both schools have a bus system to transport kids around campus. The uh, University of Florida one. Now, this might be to transport them to the bars. I'm not sure. The University of Florida one is called the Later Gator. The University of Mi- clever. The University of Miami one is called the Hurricane. Which one is a better on-campus transportation?
0: Ours is definitely for after hours. Yeah, I would definitely say the Later Gator.
2: The Hurricane! Hurricane! Yeah, our, the Hurricane
1: doesn't take you to like an entertainment district or a
3: We're spending a lot of time. Are we going to spend this long arguing who the third best football school in New York is?
2: (laughs) Okay, go go UCF. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to debate Joe Mixon versus James Conner. Read more of your emails. We have a Larry Fitzgerald email. He's excited for that one. Talk about some league formats and more. We'll be right back.
1: Post your free job on
0: linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Scott has our next email. Scott
0: is from Dave. Instead of saying I got to go by, I'm going to say I have to hurricane out of here. <laughs> and then <laughs> later, gator. Say, later, Gator.
2: <laughs> uh, Scott's from Platteville, Wisconsin. Can, where was the guy from New York from? Platteville or something? Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh. Okay. Can you debate Joe Mixon versus James Connor? Go.
3: James Conner is a better draft pick than Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not (laughs) right. Um, No. Conner has a better offensive line. Conner's on a team that I expect to have a better defense. Um, Conner has shown us more in the passing game. I expect them to get a similar number of their team's offensive uh, touches. I think the Steelers will run more plays and score more points. And I cannot think of anything other than pedigree that is in Mixon's favor.
1: I, I do like Zach Taylor as the new play caller for the Cincinnati. Yeah, offense, but he's not as but, good a
3: play caller as Ben Roethlisberger.
1: No, <laughs> but I, I think I think there's there's a little so sliver of, of a chance, of <laughs> little sliver of a chance that Mixon will get used similarly to how Gurley was used in LA pre arthritis. The offensive line is a huge issue. The quarterback is a huge issue, and Heath mentioned that he expects the Steelers to score more points than the Bengals. That's a no-duh statement. Connor is going to be in line to get more of those opportunities than Mixon
2: will. Okay, Jamie, where do you come out on this?
0: Uh, they're very close. Uh, I, I think you know if we get to a point, which we probably will not, but if we get to a point in the preseason where we see the Steelers actually using Jalen Samuels in a more prominent role than anticipated or Benny Snell... Um, I I think you kind of have an expectation of what Giovanni Bernard will be to Joe Mixon. We don't know if there will be any sort of change in the Steelers. I would anticipate it not happening. Um, But if that rumor plays itself out at any point, then I think you could see a situation where Joe Mixon maybe starts to get drafted ahead of James Conner. But we saw last year, you know, Conner was just amazing. I know it was somewhat skewed because of how he did in a handful of games, but it, it's kind of been tried and true under Ben Roethlisberger, under Mike Tomlin, especially in the Le'Veon Bell era, that whether it was Bell or whoever replaced Bell was just a start.
2: All right, if you're on Team Mixon, I can give you a little bit of hope. I've given this stat before, and Heath always scoffs at it. But I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a running back who was better, who, who had this much of a difference in fantasy points in wins versus losses. He averaged 7.3 more carries per game and about 8 more fantasy points per game in wins compared to losses. And they were five and three before A.J. Green's injury. And they were one and seven after A.J. Green's injury. So if they are better, and and I wouldn't expect the splits to be that drastic this year either, but if they are better and he's not maybe coming off the field or whatever, or just being out of the game plan because they're trailing all the time, then I think maybe Mixon can overtake James Conner.
0: It, it, it's it's interesting right now. Uh, the average job position on Fantasy Football Calculator for PPR has Mixon ahead of Connor. Um, it also has Melvin Gordon still ahead of those guys. So, you know, I don't know how much that is factored into any of the recent drafts that have gone on. Uh, I'm sure a lot of this is probably being skewed by the Scott Fishbowl. Um, but in any event, the running back order after the top four is David Johnson, five, Le'Veon Bell, six, Melvin Gordon, seven, Mixon, eight, Connor, nine. And in the overall, Mixon's going 12th, Connor's going 14th.
2: Okay, this is from Michael. I've been mock drafting, and Larry Fitzgerald is going in the double-digit rounds. With a new offensive-minded head coach, have we talked about the Cardinals today, by the way? Probably a better quarterback, and assuming Fitzgerald shouldn't see double coverage, 1 to 10, is there a chance that Larry Fitzgerald could achieve 1,000 yards in 2019? Three. Dave, you've
3: got to go higher than that. No, I don't. you got Kyler Murray,
1: top 10. Doesn't matter. Oh, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. I've got him tonight. Uh, no, Christian Kirk is going to be awesome. I think the rookies will contribute. I think the Cardinals told you everything that you needed to know on draft day. Isabella, well, I mean,
0: Butler, They have to Keyshawn. think about Larry Fitzgerald's replacement. So, uh, you know, the, there's a reason why I think they drafted those guys. I I, I think Fitzgerald has a shot. I'll, I'll say five. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does in the red zone. Because I, I – I still think there's a chance he's going to be their primary slot guy. And so young quarterback, we'll see how much he throws from the pocket in prime areas. That I think would be, you know, sort of telling because he, he, that's, I think where Murray has to show me the most is what he'll do in tight spots, tight windows. And who better to lean on in those areas than Larry Fitzgerald.
3: And a thousand yards is only like 62 yards per game. It's not, a huge number. If he plays sixteen games, he's played sixteen games every year for four years. I'll I'll give him a four.
0: If they, I just wonder, like if they start to fall out of contention, which could happen quickly. You know, does the 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 team sort of lean on him more as an ambassador role, uh, an extension of the coaching staff, and does we start do we start to see a changing of the guard where they do lean on the younger guys more so? Throughout the course of games, not necessarily sitting Fitzgerald or benching Fitzgerald, but just not necessarily playing him the same a lot in the snaps.
1: Heath, what was the yardage total that you're looking for from Larry to get 62 to tough... yards per game? He had more than that three times last
3: year. Last does year, have, does have if, a better quarterback. If last year. year's offense is relevant to this year. It's
1: offense, not. Then Kyler Murray not.
2: needs to be a long. But he way had over conducted.
1: 112 targets, and he
2: yeah still but couldn't get it done on that he he did his target share was a little bit lower than what it usually is but it was still about 22 percent they just had they had the worst offense You they had they, you have, they you have to so throw out a lot years.
0: of things yeah. for guys with the Cardinals last year and and just sort of look at it and say it's a completely fresh start
2: okay and last thing on Fitzgerald you know has actually his red zone targets in his last four seasons have been pretty high last year i think was only 14. But uh, it's 18, 20, 21, and 14. That's a lot of red zone targets, and for whatever reason, he just doesn't come down with the touchdowns. All right, next email is Campbell from our nation's capital. He says, hey, Mike, Dustin, Will, and Lucas. And I got to tell you, I'm only halfway through, but season three of Stranger Things has been freaking awesome. That This show is once again unofficially sponsored by Stranger Things.
0: I'm going to start it tonight. It's season one tonight. Are you really? Yep i have been meaning to it the last few days. Obviously.
2: I really think yeah. you're gonna like it. I think it's really good. All
0: right. Uh, when Heath started if arguing, if it's wrong, can I hate you?
2: Yes. Uh,
0: more. Yes, All right. More if so. I don't like it, you have to pay for my pedicure in New York. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and if you do like it, you have to give me a pedicure in New York.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. I'll pay for yours. I, I got a funny feeling Jamie's gonna say he doesn't like it just for the. Pedicure. No, no, no. I'll be honest. I'll Later, be honest, Gator. But, uh, the 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 show will decide who pays.
2: Okay. When Heath started arguing his justification for choosing. Kenyon Drake over Marlon Mack. I almost lost it. Alan, Adam is going to prove. I just said my own name wrong. I just <laughs> called myself Alan. Adam is going to prove you all so wrong about his guy, Marlon Mack. How do each of the three of you have him behind at least four of Freeman, Carry On, Aaron Jones? Henry, Fournette, and Damian Williams, respectively. Mack is easily the safest of this bunch and has the clearest path to an RB1 finish and probably the only guy with a legit top-five upside. He's playing for one of the best offenses in football, scored 10 touchdowns in 12 games last year, and has no competition for lead-back duties. Frank Reich said he could push for 2,000 total yards. Explain to me why any of the above players has a safer floor or a higher ceiling than Marlon Mack. I don't see it. Uh, what is the other thing he said about how many me? running
3: backs to finish top five with I know I
2: know sheesh Adam I can't wait for you to be oh so right yeah I know that was the thing I don't think he has top five upside unless he starts catching more balls because you can't do it without 50 catches based on the last two years um, I do like him better than Kenyon Drake though I don't like him better than Aaron Jones or on Johnson but I do like yeah him Alan yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh Okay, We're well. Three
0: best friends that anyone.
2: But what do you think What do you think the most catches you could see Marlon Mack uh, getting?
0: 35? 32.
2: <laughs> Alan. All right, Eric from a New England state that should hate Robert Kraft.
1: A New England state that should hate Robert Kraft.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Connecticut, I don't
2: know. Dear Charleston Chew Mounds Milk Duds and Dots, all candy that is worse than Butterfinger.
1: Those are some stank ass candies.
2: Alan. I like Dots better than Butterfinger. I don't know about the others. Charleston Chew is that is Charleston Chew bad? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've had it. Okay, who are some players you are projecting to be the most consistent in fantasy scoring at their positions this upcoming season? consistency. Okay, good stuff, guys. The ones ranked at the top. Okay, who are some inconsistent players, then? Brandon Cooks.
3: Mitchell Trubisky. Sammy
1: Watkins.
2: Okay, this was a bit of a dud of a question. from A uh, dud of an answer, a good question. Mike uh, is from...
1: Mike is from Yakima, Washington.
2: Okay, who do you think has the best chance to produce as a consistent wide receiver one? Or rather, to produce consistent wide receiver one numbers? Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, or Sammy Watkins?
3: Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, Godwin.
2: <laughs> How about that?
1: Love it when this happens.
2: Uh, should I break the tie? I will say Cup in non-PPR and Godwin in PPR. Mike from a football town in Pennsylvania, west of Pittsburgh.
1: Can't get farther west than Pittsburgh, can you? It's pretty west. Eerie.
2: San Francisco. Dear Julius, Jerry, Rev, and Sunshine. That's Jamie's, That's like Jamie's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Remember the Titans. of all time. What's your opinion of player volatility when considering floor versus ceiling? example would you rather draft amari cooper at his third round adp knowing he can finish the season having averaged 20 points per game but he gets there by scoring 44 points in week one and then eight and eight in the next two weeks or a guy like robert woods at his fourth round adp who will probably average 15 points per game but be extremely consistent
0: i think since the adp is so minimal the difference is so minimal i take the player with the higher ceiling so i think that's cooper but if you're talking two rounds, three rounds, five rounds, you know, then it starts to change the conversation a little bit.
3: Unless it's really extreme and it's the reason I didn't have a very good answer to the question, I don't mm-hmm. generally worry too much about consistency.
1: Yeah. Right. Unless it's a player that has shown awful consistency
3: over a
2: number of years. But I have
3: like I have Cooper projected for three more points. I'd probably just draft him.
2: The, Plus, the I one think guy, he can be a little
3: more consistent now.
2: The one guy that used to be this player for me, the inconsistent player, that no matter where he finished, I never wanted him. The two guys, I would say, were Deshaun Jackson and Emmanuel Sanders. Of course, where they're going now in drafts, I don't really care about that. But I don't know that I see that equivalent uh, this year. I'm sure we can think of one. But a guy who's just going to like, yeah, he's going to put up good numbers, but he's going to drive you. I like Hooks. Like Marvin Jones. Uh, maybe would be a
0: guy like that. Like Cooks just, could be that. Galladay could be that. Um, Cooks, I don't know. Like, does Cooks have a lot of like bad, useless weeks? Not I, a I don't lot. Think he but does. I mean, he he does have some blow up weeks and then some non. I mean, it's probably yeah. more so when he was with New Orleans and New England.
1: Yeah, there also just aren't a lot of consistent players. Keenan Allen finished tied for 15th among receivers in consistency in non PPR. And he had 10 fantasy points or more in half of his
0: games. Yeah, I don't really focus on consistency at ever. All right. And let me read
2: a couple of questions about league formats here to end this show. This is from... I don't think I have a name here. Or a city. No, it is from Scott in Chicago. One of my friends is starting up a new redraft league and came in hot with a proposal for a new survivor-style method of determining the league winner. As a Survivor superfan, I don't hate it, but it's quite unique, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are. The regular season is normal. Week 15, the four playoff teams do not play head-to-head. Rather, the lowest-scoring team is eliminated and finishes in fourth place. Week 16, once again, no head-to-head matchups. You just track scoring for the three remaining teams. After week 16, the three finalists get one PowerPoint slide to articulate their case as to why they deserve to be the league champion. Finalists can use any criteria for evaluation. Most points in Week 16, amazing draft, overcame injuries, made great trades and waiver pickups, dominated the regular season, etc. Each league member will cast one anonymous vote for who they think is the most deserving winner. What do you think? Innovative and refreshing or too absurd? I feel like I already know Heath will hate it.
1: (laughs) At one point, Heath held his face in his hand. as if he was the um, Captain Picard meme.
3: The thing is, I don't know why he would think that. I'm the guy that's usually pretty open to new things and say how much fun things would be. Does it <laughs> sound like fun to you? This is terrible. <laughs> this is one of the worst ideas <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. PowerPoint and fantasy football should never go together in anything ever. <laughs> um, I, he actually he had me um, until he got to the PowerPoint. I don't necessarily hate the idea of like, six teams make the playoffs and the last three weeks, it's just combined scoring. Whoever scores the most points wins. No, I, I actually like
1: the elimination idea. So in our leagues, we play 13 weeks, week 14, the top two teams get a buy. There's four teams left. The two teams that score the most points, then advance to the following week. And then same thing repeats the next week. And then you just have a traditional I championship feel, game. in And I 16.
3: feel like, like he started sending that, this actually. email to us. I actually <laughs> and love he was that. working on a work project. And like he got to step three of his plan and he put in his work project. Maybe it was late at night when he sent the email. Now, don't
1: forget to (laughs) check your Outlook calendar to make sure you have the draft scheduled. Please wear a coat and tie and bring a lot of water to stay hydrated. (laughs) Thank you, my league mates.
2: Okay, Nathan from a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina, but in South Carolina.
1: Oh, where is it? Rock Hill where they
2: practice? Sure. I'm starting a new guillotine league with 17 players where each week the lowest scoring team is eliminated and all of their roster becomes free agents where all the remaining teams can use FAB to make claims. With such a large draft, do you have any draft tips, roster construction, what is the last quarterback you'd feel comfortable starting with? Early season tips on using FAB in such a format, blah, blah, blah. Remember, if you have the lowest score, you are
0: done. I'm doing the same exact format. With analysts from other sites,
3: really, I've got I've got three of those that are all best ball, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a little terrifying. You definitely cannot wait quite as long on quarterback.
2: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Any other tips, or just basically that, and cross your fingers.
3: I was I I don't know about you, Jamie, but I leaned a little bit more towards guys that I knew was go, were going to play early in the year.
0: Um, I haven't really given much thought so, as
3: opposed no. No, to no. like. There are guys that are probably going to score eight points every week and be really b and we take oh, a mill upside guys. Um but like Right. So you take really Miller over,
0: over Miles Sanders. Right. right. it doesn't right. really right. matter
3: if you have a stud team in week fourteen if you were eliminated
0: ten uh, weeks right, ago. Right, right. Don't think about the playoffs as much. Think about guys that if, if they are in a potential timeshare, worry about the guy that's getting the opportunity first. I would certainly focus on tight end and quarterback.
2: Is Tyreek Hill a top one hundred pick in this format?
0: No. I think he's still top 100. Yes. But, yes.
3: Wow. 17. Top 100? That's, that's
0: 50. He, he round. will be a top 100 pick for somebody on another team <laughs> because you can't use him if you're going to be eliminated yeah, in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you can still win. That's, yeah. like
3: a, that's like a fifth or sixth round he's pick. He's
0: not
1: a top 50 pick, but he's going to get picked before. 100. Oh, he's going to get picked.
3: I'm just not, I probably wouldn't take him. You wouldn't take him in round nine in this type it's of. It's not round nine. It's 17 teams. Oh, so you've true. only got four
1: players. you ah, got to decide if point. you're going to use one on Tyreek well, Hill. Yeah, you're right. I uh, wasn't thinking about
2: that. Yeah. All right, thanks so much, guys. This was a really fun show. I appreciate wait, 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 all Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Uh,
0: hurricane. No, it's the later gator, you fool. Got to go by. All
2: right. Bye,
0: Jamie. The later
2: gator has a bell? Oh, man, that's pretty it's, weak. It's, it's a bike. The hurricane has TVs. <laughs> that's all I know. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, I'm Adam. Thanks so much. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll talk to you Thursday. na, 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 na.